Amen. I want to thank you for, you know, welcoming us into, into your house. I mean, it's been a pleasure, you know, being home. I, I mentioned that, being home again, and it just feels like, you know, we've been gone. I think the last time we've been here was 11 years ago. It was over 11 years, and it seems like, you know, 11 years passed, and it feels the same way. So I really want to thank you for inviting us in. Amen. My wife was testifying, and I was, I was kind of thinking I, I wanted to add some things to that. I probably should have stepped in and said, not quite right, but, <laughs> but I held my tongue. And so praise God that, you know, his faithfulness in, in our marriage, but we've been married over 32 years. This year be 33. You know, she turned me down about how, you know, how long ago was that? About 34 years ago. <laughs> Amen. I'm just teasing. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to read the first two verses in a familiar portion of Scripture, but I'm going to change it up a little bit because I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation because it, re it really kind of speaks to what I want to talk about today. And I said that I was going to preach more of an overcomer's sermon, and this is actually a sermon that I specifically wrote for, you know, for overcomers. I mean, it's a little shorter than normal. It's not a three-point sermon, but it's more like a two-point sermon. And what led me to really begin to think about in this area, and, I'm, and it's going to be the area of thoughts, and what really kind of made me think about it more is I keep track within the news, and, and I begin to see a particular pattern in people's lives that, you know, you begin to think of people who seem like they would have their lives together. It seems like they would, you know, seem like they had, they had everything in place for them to be successful. And it seems like they, but the thing is, is that they themselves committed suicide. And so I, I really thought about that, and, I, and it just seems to me that as I begin to pray about it and really begin to think, you know, and kind of meditate on what, I, what I'm seeing, and it's just not just one person or two, but it, it's a group of people that, you know, prominent people, people that are, you know, very wealthy, very influential, and they're committing suicide. And you begin to think, what is the problem? And the problem is that in their thought life, they are being destroyed in their thought life. I mean, there's no other way to put it, that people are struggling with thoughts, with things that, you know, what would cause a person, and, and this is something you need to ask yourself, what would cause a person who seem like they have life in the palm of their hands and they commit suicide? They would have everything, and some, some of these people made more money than all of us combined would ever make. And they're committing suicide, and, and you wonder, like, what's going on? 
And I believe that they look at their lives and they have no hope. And so I'm going to preach a sermon I entitled Hidden Epidemic because it's a problem that's not just out in the world, it's also in the church as well. That people are struggling in their thought lives. And the Bible gives promises is that they don't have to struggle in their thought life. Let's look at the first two verses, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'm reading this out of New Living's translation. And it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse number two says, don't copy the patterns and behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for your grace. I thank you for your mercy and your goodness, God, in this place. Oh, God, I thank you for your anointing, oh, God, that breaks every yoke of bondage, oh, Lord. And, God, I pray for the moving of your spirit, oh, Lord, giving us ears to hear, oh, Lord, what your spirit is saying to the church, God. And I thank you and I give you praise. Jesus name and all God's people said amen I want to look at with you is that we're living in an age of constant change how many of you know that the light I mean the world we see today is not like it was five years ago it's not like it was three years ago we are in the midst of turmoil that has definite impact on the way we think you know I found it interesting how many times the Bible mention or make reference to our thoughts or how crucial it was to maintain our thoughts? And, and when I started looking at this, I really did not, you know, it seemed like I read it, but sometimes you read stuff and you begin to kind of read it so much it become, you know, you don't really see it. It's kind of like, you know, you ask somebody, says, you know, do you know where... This you ask your spouse. You know where this is, this is, and it could be sitting right there. And but you're looking and you can't see it. And eventually, my mom used to have a saying. He says, "If it was a snake, it would have bit you." That's the same way some things in the Bible that as you begin to read, you begin to realize. Say, you know, God, there's a lot of th- places where you said you're talking about the thoughts of people. Here's one of them in Luke 21, verses 19. And we know Luke 21, we know this is the the Bible prophecy. It begins to give a layout of of the end times. But listen to what Jesus said here. Jesus says in verse number 19, he says, By your patience, possess your souls. And the Greek word for souls here is where we get our word psyche from. Which means our, you know, we know the, trans, you know, it comes, our word psychology comes from this very word. Which we know it deals with our mind and our thoughts. 
You know, one of the things that as I begin to give words that has the same meaning, and some of the words is mind, mentality, ego, being, and soul. Because Jesus, what Jesus is saying here is Jesus is saying that in the end times or in the last days, it will be imperative for you to gain control of your mind. He's not saying this and, and he's not saying it arbitrarily. He's saying it because there is a truth that we need to understand. That in the last days, the changes in all the words and people begin to speak and people begin to say stuff. And a lot of it's not true. But it is, it is said to bend your way of thinking. See, so many outlets are vying to influence how we think. You know, if you look at television, they're definitely trying to influence the way you think. You look at movies, become more preachy in what they, what, you know, what they're showing. In other words, they're trying to influence how you think, how you look at life. You look at social media, radio, government, even some employers. And one of the things, as, as I was looking at this, and one of the things, because the Uvalde, Texas shooting, the sheriff, one of the sheriffs made a profound statement that should cause us to, to have more concern. And he said about the shooter, he says, we talked to people and no one saw you know there was no red flags about this person's life that what he was saying is a lot of what this person you know we asked people it seemed like he was normal you know that he was a little quirky in certain areas but everything that you know we don't equate quirkiness to craziness But inside, deep inside this person's thought, he, he was going insane. But no one actually saw it. And see, this is a hidden epidemic that we as a, not only as, you know, a society and as a church, we deal with. Because you're going to have people come in. And some people are broken and their minds are just not thinking the way they ought to think. And the question you need to ask yourself, and this is my first point, is why our thoughts? Why are our thoughts so important? Let's look at our, let's look at a verse of scripture again. And he said, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a holy and living sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, this is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, 
which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, Paul directs us into a number of points that he began to look at. And one of the points is, he says, present our bodies to God as a sacrifice. And we look and it said, this makes perfect sense spiritually, right? This makes sense spiritually for us to present our bodies because how are we going to have God move in our lives if we want to control who we are? He goes on and says that this is an act of worship. And we, and we always equate, you know, we equate worship with singing, right? But in our actions, we also is an act of Paul defining of worship. That we worship by the things that we do for God. It is an act of worship. He also points us to a transformation. That God's goal or God's aim is to transform us. He's not, he's not in the business of leaving us the same. He's not, he's not in the business of leaving us, saving us, and then leaving us as who we are. But he's, he's interested in changing us. We begin to learn the will of God for our lives. We begin to learn God's will for our lives. We begin, as we serve him, we begin to learn his will for our lives. Or we begin to gain more and more understanding of what our purpose is. But he began to give a caveat to all of this. And he says, however, none of this will happen if we do not control our thinking. He's saying, all this sounds good, but if you do not control your thoughts or your, the way that you think, it's all going to come undone in your life. Because we know our salvation battle is a battle for our minds. The devil, you know, it would be different if the devil attacks us physically that the devil pops up and, you know, we, we struggle and we fight physically. But he does not fight us in the in arena of physicality. He fights us spiritually. He fights us in our thoughts. He plants thoughts in your mind for the purpose of leading us away from God, not to God. You ever have, you ever, and, and let me use this as an illustration. You ever go into pr your prayer room and all of a sudden you begin to think, man, did I turn the light off in my bedroom? How many of you had that thought before? Man, did I leave this running or did, I, did this happen? And, and it's always when you're praying, you begin to have these random thoughts. I'm here to tell you, it's not random. It is, it is there to distract you from praying and, and get, laying hold of God and allowing God to change your life. It's not there. That's why when, when we and overcomers, and, and one of the reasons why we deal so much in people's thinking is because, see, that is the one area that, you know, if we change the way they think, everything else seems like it falls into place. 
But if we allow them to think the same way, it seems like they, it always be two steps forward and it's not one step back. It's usually three or four steps back. And then you go and you keep falling. And it seems like you're not gaining any ground. And the reason you're not gaining any ground because it is the way that you're thinking. It is what you're allowing into your thought life. See, these are spiritual things that we are striving for. Everything that Paul said we're striving for, but our thoughts can sabotage the process. That would be just like we, we begin to plant. We begin to plant a seed, and all of a sudden you, you pour a cup of bleach into that process. What happens is you kill the whole process. And that's the same thing when we begin to allow random thoughts, thoughts that are not scriptural, thoughts that are not biblical to enter into our process of our lives. See, Proverbs 23, verse number 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So it is how you think, it is what you think about, it's what you're dwelling on Solomon said, that's who you are. God's saying, that's exactly who you are. This is a profound statement. Not only that, the Bible links how we think to who we actually are. And I'm going to show you in a moment or what, what that means. See, James Allen says, a man's mind I always seem like I get there and all of a sudden I lose, I have to get back to where I was at. Okay. A man's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intellectually cultivated or allowed to run wild. So what he's saying is, he says, we can be intellectually cultivated. That means that we start thinking about things that has value. Or we can just think random thoughts of anything that we want to put in our minds. But whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. That means whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're, you're meditating on, those are the things that's going to that's gonna grow in your life. If you begin to think about the way, you know, the things of God, you begin to read your scripture, you begin to pray, you begin to cultivate that spiritual way of thinking, guess what? Your life's going to go that direction. But if you're worrying so much about, you know, how much money I'm going to make, or what's the, what's the latest, you know, movie that came out, or you begin to allow those things. And I'm not saying don't look at all those things, you know, recreationally, but don't put a priority on those things. That means if, you know, we have the things of God or we want to do this, don't do this, do the things that God wants you to do. See, James 3, verses 13 through 18, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? 
Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil things are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruits of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. See, note, words, wise, understanding, and wisdom, these are words associated with our minds or our thoughts. They're associated with the way that we think. And God's word is always pointing us to thinking these thoughts and not the thoughts of this world. That our priorities should be in the word of God. It should be with God's people. It should be in prayer. It should be seeking God's face. Let me break it down. If our thoughts are good, then our life will be true. However, the opposite is also true. How much attention do we, we give to reading the Word of God? I mean, we were talking about that this, today, and one of the things I, I mentioned about, and, and I mentioned in Overcomers, is that watch what you are indulging in. Be very careful in the things that you are indulging in. If you're indulging in the things of God, then your life will be heading toward what God wants you. You begin to fulfill what Romans 12, 1 and 2, you begin to fulfill that in your life. But like I said, the other, the other part is also true as well. If you don't do those things, if you don't cultivate, the other thing has happened. See, in Genesis 6, verse number 5, and this is one of, this is one of the, the scriptures that I really began to, it really was an eye-opener because we know the story. We know Genesis 6. When you talk about Genesis 6, that's the flood. And it's something that was profound when I began to read this because it ties into what's going on in our generation. And he says, when the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that, and listen to what he says, and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time. Now notice what he said. He said, the scheme his mind thought, or another translation said, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, I always assumed or I always looked at this as God was judging because of action. Like, you know, God saw sin on the earth and, you know, he, he just got, you know, he began to start saying, oh man, you know, it's enough. And I believe that's part of it. But what the scripture began to, t- began to open my eyes to, he says that God looked far deeper than just the actions. God looked at the thoughts 
of the of man's mind that God's decision to judge the earth was based on the way man was thinking at the time yeah the actions were bad but the actions was a symptom of the greater problem which was the way they were thinking and that's why God determined to judge the earth because of the way they were thinking because of you thinking bad things you're going to begin to act out bad things See, 1 John 4, verse number 3, this is a living translation as well. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. See, the spirit of Antichrist is active and moving in our world right now. And if he was, he was moving in the world when John had wrote this, and this was like 2,000 years ago, how much more do you think he's moving now? And he says his intent is to attack the people of God. And one of the things that I, I found so interesting is that as I begin to study this out is that the devil plants seeds of thought not just when we get after we get saved because how I many you know we deal with issues of thought life when we, before we get saved but he plants before we get saved so that if in case we do get saved that there are certain battles that will begin to bend you to war back out away from God that's what sometimes you know you, you may not struggle with something before you get saved but after you get saved, all of a sudden, there's a struggle. And the reason why is that he has planted those things long ago. And if you study, you'll find out that the devil is a strategic person. He's not interested, you know, he's usually playing, you know, while we're playing checkers, he's playing chess. That means he's, he's moving with the purpose of causing us to miss the mark. You know, sometimes I, I, I thought of things and I'm trying to figure out, so where do these thoughts come from? And I know some of it is just, you know, it, because you're serving God. But see, there's some entrenched thoughts that are so powerful that, you know, we're so used to them. We're so used to certain thoughts that we have. Even when we get saved and, and we come into the kingdom, we bring those thoughts with us as if they're our pet ch children. And see, God's aim is, God's aim is to break us, of the, break those strongholds in our lives. That God wants to break the strongholds in your life. Things that you struggle with, he wants to break them. Let's look at finally, a new person is born out of the way of, of a new way of thinking. Let's look at Romans 12, verse number 2 again. Don't copy the 
behavior and customs of this world. I mean, you say you can say amen to that. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now the question we ask, how do we become a new person? By changing the way we think. It boils down to our thought process and the way we think. And we need to gain control of our thoughts. Now, sometimes we struggle, and, and we struggle in our thought life. See, long before a person backslides, they're going to struggle with, with this, what we're talking about. They're going to struggle with thoughts. They're going to struggle with how they, you know, they're thinking or, and the thought, usually the thoughts come with, do you really think you're saved? Look at how you're thinking. How many of you have those thoughts before? Look at how you're thinking. Man, you know, you think, you know, your thoughts, like, you think you're actually a Christian? And we get bombarded with those thoughts. But those thoughts have a, a plan by the enemy, and it is to lead you away from the things of God. It is to stop the process of God in your life. See, in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exists, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What do you say to bring every thought into captivity? That means, that, that is a word in, in the Greek says to bring everything to sword point. That you, you don't just let random thoughts come into your mind. That you have someone there guarding. That you guard your thought life. I remember, and, and I'm, I'm going to use this as an illustration. It's, when I was in the military, one of the things that we, we had to learn is to guard. One of, you know, guard, you know, our barracks, we, we, we guard, you know, we had, we would have take turns, someone in the evening to standing guard of our, of our door. And one day I happened to be, you know, happened to be there, and it was an object lesson of failure on my part. <laughs> but the sergeant came banging on the door, let me in! And, you know, and I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, I don't know what happened. And he said, let me in right now. And, he, and I said, well, I need to see an ID. And so he just put an ID up there and he just put it down. He said, let me in right now. And instead of me asking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated. I'm going to be honest. I'm intimidated by this guy. And he's yelling at me and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, do I let him in? Because I, I recognize who he is. So I made the strategic error of letting him in. And he began to chew me out because the ID he showed me was not a valid ID at all. 
And so he chewed me out for the next five minutes about how I let him in and I should never have let him in. So the next time I did that, I was not letting him, I was not, next time I had that opportunity, I was not going to let anybody in until I see exactly what I needed. He broke me of the habit of just allowing anybody to come in. And that's the same thing God is saying here. In 2 Corinthians, he says, you bring everything to sword point and don't allow anything unless it's from God. It has a God signature on it. It has a God ID on it. Is this from God? Um, I'm not letting it. You don't know. No, I'm not letting it in. And see, that's how we need to establish, you know, dominion in God. We don't let anything in that does not belong. In 1 Samuel 18, verses 8 through 11, I'm bringing this to a close. And he said, then Samuel was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only a thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? And, And we know that what opened the door to his downfall you know, we, we know he was disobedient. You know, you go back and he, he was disobedient. But what caused him over the edge, in a sense, because how many of you know that you can be rejected but still enter in? But what caused him to be rejected completely was he allowed envy to come in. And it says, so, so Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it says, and it happened on the next day that distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. See, what happens when we allow those thoughts to come into our lives is that it, it does not come in alone. But it brings forth others that what would have been an easy to say, no, I'm not letting you in, to now you have allowed and you have opened the door for the devil to come into your life, to your mind. You've opened the door. It'd been easy if we say, oh man, random thought, we just kick it out and then, you know, that's it. But no, it's it's a battle, it's a fight. And in Saul's life, he went down when that spirit came in. He allowed a spirit and the the door was open because of envy and jealousy. It opened the door and people came in. How many of you have ever seen, and, and you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have ever seen that people, you know, people say things and people get discouraged and people, and all of a sudden, they're gone out of church? How many of you have seen that? The reason why, because they have allowed a spirit to come in that dominates them, that comes in and begins to change them, just like what happened to Saul here. 
Now, the questions we need to ask as I bring this to close, are they thoughts that will lead us to God? Are the thoughts that we have in our lives, are there thoughts to lead us to God? Are they thoughts that will lead us, or are they thoughts that will lead us to destruction? Because if we allow certain thoughts to come in, I mean, you know, depression and all of those, you know, they come in because you have, a le- you have left the door open of your mind. And if you dealt with people that are depressed, it seems like they have this heaviness on their lives. And that heaviness is spiritual. Another thing that, that we learned, and this, this is something I didn't put in there, but we, we learned in Overcomers, is that life is more spiritual than physical. That the things that we allow into our lives spiritually will affect us physically. Not necessarily the other way around, but things that we allow spiritually into our lives will affect us spiritually. Our thoughts cause us to drift, or are we in control of our minds and thoughts? See, we need to control the way that we think. That's the call of God in our lives, is that we control how we think in our, in our lives. We do not allow things to come in, but we need to control the very things that we think about. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Every head by every eye closed. One of the things as I begin to bring this to a close is the challenge of our lives is to control what we're thinking, our thought life. I know some of the things I mentioned this morning about race and think about family, those things can be birthed into our thinking. And what God has called us is to change the way that we think. He's calling us to thinking, you know, he's training us, he's teaching us to not allow our thoughts to be random, not allow our thoughts to take over. Because how many of you know that thoughts mixed in, bad thoughts mixed in with emotions cause trouble? Before we go to anything else, if you're a visitor in this place, I'm here to say that God wants to set you free. Maybe you're in this place, you came in, you're invited. Maybe you came in, you know, you came, you seen the church, and you came in to, to, to find out what's going on, and you're not right with God. I'm here to tell you God wants to set you free. One of the things that we deal with in overcomers is being free in Christ. That Jesus says that he has come to set us free. That we will be free indeed. And maybe you're, you're, you're in this place and you're not right with God. Or maybe you're backslidden. 
you're backslidden you're not right with God God wants to set you free God wants to set you free God wants to change things in your life God wants to God wants to give you a new hope he wants to give you a new purpose he wants to give you a new path but it starts with the decision that he calls us to because he died on the cross for you and I and what he says he says to repent of your sin that means you begin to trade the sin that you have in your life for the freedom and liberty that he has purchased for you and if you're in this place you're not right with God and you want to be I want you to acknowledge that with an uplifted hand it where every head by every eye closed you says I'm not right with God but I want to be right with God I want you to lift up your hand right now and say you know God that's me I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with Him. Anybody in this place? Amen. I mean, we're moving on. Maybe you're in this place and you're struggling with your thought life. You know, there are battles that you're fighting even now. It's in your thought life. I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. You've been going to this church for, you know, maybe, I'm not sure, maybe a number of, of weeks. You maybe been here for years. But you say, I continue to struggle with this section of my thought life, and I want to be set free. I want you to get up out of your seat and come find a place to pray. You know, that's what we do in Overcomers. You know, you don't get set free by just by sitting there, but you get set free by getting out of your seat and coming down to the altar and allowing God to touch your life. Because I believe God wants to help you. God wants to set you free. God wants to move upon your life. Allow God to touch your life. Allow God to move and set you free. Amen, let's sing a song.